the Owl Dog Hour is upon us once again, friends. Today we're going to be talking about Owl Dog Origins. How is it that you are listening to this podcast today? Um, what compelled me to write books? Got some great news about my first book. It's going to be on pre-sale way earlier than I expected, which is sweet. Um, doesn't come out till next spring, but very good news on that front. Anyways, so let's start from the very beginning. Then we'll fast forward to after college, high school, college, who really cares? You know what I mean? After college, how we got to where we are right now. Uh, So first of all, I've always been a listener. The first guy I ever really listened to was actually Don Imus. He was a man who had a morning broadcast and it was hilarious way, 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 way back in the day. And I was very young when I was listening to this uh, in the mornings, but, you know, with my family. And uh, I remember he got in trouble for saying, like, nappy-headed hoes. And I remember being so perplexed, like, why? Who cares? Who gives a shit? Anyways, after Don Imus, it was Jay Severin. He was a uh, conservative commentator that I would listen to on the way home from football, stuff like that. Um, After Jay Severin... It was Alex Jones. I was a big Alex Jones InfoWars guy in my late teens. Basically, uh, after football games, I would binge on InfoWars <laughs> for like three... I would watch the whole show. I would listen to the whole show on InfoWars. So I was an InfoWars Alex Jones guy for like a lot of my late teens, early 20s. And then it, it got to be a bit much. You know what I mean? When you're fully locked in like Alex can be very intense kind of freaking out (laughs) you know what I mean it's not something that you can listen to and then you go back to your normie circle and it's like it's two different gears two entirely different modes of transportation shall we say so I was an Alex Jones guy as a listener for a long time I'd say up until like 2016 um yeah, and then um, after Alex, it got to be a bit mu- bit much. My friends introduced me to the infamous Joe Rogan, who we'll talk about uh, a little bit, because he comes back into this story quite a bit. Uh, my friends introduced me to the infamous Joe Rogan. They said, oh, his stand-up is awesome. His stand-up is so funny. I don't think I ever watched it. I was never really into it, but I had seen Joe, was loosely familiar with him from Fear Factor... Uh, what else was it? Oh, he was in a few pot documentaries. You know, I was a weed guy in my teens. I thought weed was sweet. I thought weed was cool. Um, cause all the rappers and the athletes were into it. So I, by default, I thought it was cool. Um, so he was in a few weed documentaries and then what got me into Joe Rogan was actually a guy named Graham Hancock. Now Graham Hancock, I got his, I got a few of his books. I think his books are pretty boring. Um, but Graham Hancock is a researcher who I'm frankly somewhat suspect of because he has such a huge platform. But anyways, he actually comes back to the story as well. Uh, Graham Hancock, he was a, he's a researcher of ancient civilizations, you know, all that stuff. I'm not into that. I love that shit. Anyways. So Joe has Graham Hancock on and another guy named Randall Carlson. So then I get into the Joe Rogan experience. I'm like in my like early uh early 20s, 22, 23, 
I'm watching every single Joe Rogan experience show. I'm in college at the time, and I just I watch every single one. Um, so I I moved forward with that for a while, and then it, it's time to graduate college, right? So I'm thinking, shit, time to sell out. You know what I mean? My friends, <laughs> a few of my one of my buddies is like, yeah, I'm gonna sell out. I'm just gonna do the suit and tie thing and totally sell out. And I was like, oh shit, maybe maybe I'll just sell out. Maybe I'll I'll just get a corporate job or whatever. Um, yeah, I that didn't work out, right? I was never cut out for that, but I did get a sales job out of college, right? So, um, but I wanted to pursue my own mission, right? So. I was like, if I could do anything, what would I do? I thought to myself, I would start a libertarian hip-hop sports blog, right? If I could do anything, that would I, that's what I would do. I would call it Guerrilla Radio. Um, and that was the premise. I was like, okay, I'm going to start a libertarian. I'm going to work this job, and I'm going to use my money to invest and start a libertarian hip-hop sports blog. That it's no longer available if you're looking up, but I can send you some screenshots. For for uh, we have two paid subscribers, so for pay for paid subscribers, five bucks a month, you should all sign up. I'm gonna send them a follow up email to this show with all these screenshots of some of my interactions uh, of these people sharing my writing, famous people. Um, that's kind of what I did during that time period. I was in digital advertising, basically where. I would try to get as much eyeballs on my site as possible, collect ad revenue. That's how all those sites work. And also, if people buy a product, like let's say somebody clicks on an ad on your website and they end up buying a product, nothing that you are personally moving, but uh, if they buy a product from your website, you get a cut of that. So that's what that's what the name of my game was eventually. was I was trying to generate internet traffic by writing blogs essentially and so okay but it didn't start off like that there was about five websites i went to every single day during that time period i used to hit Infowars every day i used to hit drudge report every day um, i used to hit world star every day um I, th- I used to hit normal national organization to reform marijuana laws every day during that time period because i was heavily influenced by rogan you know, Wiz Khalifa, <laughs> Little Wayne, um, people like that. So I was a big, big pot guy. So anyways, I start this site and I don't initially want to write my own articles. I'm thinking to myself, I want to be an aggregate. I want to be a uh, like a world star. World star doesn't necessarily produce all of their own stuff. They take stuff from around the internet and they aggregate it into this one central hub. Drudge Report, if you've ever been to the Drudge Report or nowadays Revolver.News, basically does the same thing where they take different stories and they just provide links to them. But, you know, the Drudge Report or Revolver.News is the central hub, the central homepage where people go to and then they click on the external links. So basically that's what I did at first. I was, um, I would take different links from across the internet, things that uh, I thought were interesting you know what I mean? Whether it's from YouTube or this site or that site, this blog or that blog, I would link to them and uh, on my site and I would create a funny ass. This was the best part, writing like a funny headline. You know what I mean? So, and then a lot of my 
buddies who are going to the site, they're like, oh, I don't really get it. You don't write any of your own stuff. I'm like trying to explain, like I'm like a supermarket. I don't necessarily farm the vegetables or create the meat. I'm, I'm the, I'm the hub. On the store where you go to to see what's up on the internet. That was the premise. It wasn't working. It wasn't generating any traffic. So from there, I'm like, fuck it, dude. I'm going to have to write my own original stuff. And I didn't do much writing at all in college. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that because I feel like it would have killed my love for it. Um, if, you know, I bullshitted a few essays, you know, they have their word requirements. You just type. And then sooner or later, you hit the word requirement and you're getting a C at minimum. So who cares? Um, so from there, I think the first thing I wrote originally uh, was about a rapper named Stitches. Now, if you're at all familiar with Stitches, um, you, if you're not, you should definitely YouTube Stitches Brick in Yo Face. He was this... Cuban-American rapper from Miami with a mohawk, tattoos all of his face, and he rapped about selling blow. His signature line in that song, he's absolutely screaming and saying, I love selling blow. So I was floored by that video. <laughs> I thought it was so funny and entertaining. It was great. Classic video. All my friends liked it. So my first thing I ever wrote on that site that I wrote myself was, is rapper Stitches taking over the world. So this, you know, whatever, I, I don't even remember how long it was, but it was all about this rapper Stitches and how ridiculous he was. And, you know, the premise of the article is he taking over the world. It's a ridiculous headline. Obviously, <laughs> obviously Stitches isn't taking over the world. In his head, he might think he's taking over the world, but or maybe some of his fans think he's taking over the world, but he's definitely not. But funny-ass headline, funny-ass article. Um, I email Stitches... <laughs> his manager. I tag him on Instagram. And then, you know what I mean? Two, three hours later, I'm looking at Stitches Instagram and Stitches shared uh, the article. So I was pretty stoked about that. All my fun friends thought that was pretty funny. That was kind of my first break in terms of uh, some viral success, you know, traffic increase, blah, blah, blah. So that was cool. So I'm like, oh shit, I should, I should just write my own stuff. I'm still doing a little aggregating. It's doing nothing. It's dumb. Um, I'm like, I've come to the realization, like, okay, I need to write my own shit. I need to write my own articles. And I was like, damn, this is going to take a lot of time. Um, whatever. I'm, I'm going to have to do it if I want to get the site off the ground, if I want to get out of the sales job that I was at. And, um, by this time, I think I had my second sales job and I was selling solar. I was, uh, Oh, or I was an appointment setter. I was, um, the company was selling solar panels, but I was an appointment center where I would go to events and I would get people's contact information and I would follow up with an appointment. Hopefully the appointment goes good. You know what I mean? And they buy solar. That's the whole idea. So, but I would be at various different locations with a booth and an iPad selling people, getting people's contact information, uh, to set them up for solar assessment. Uh, to assess their house for solar energy. Anyways, so I'm doing that, and I, I hate this job. I don't give a fuck. Like, um, you know, I'm just in it for the cash, right? And I got this idea. I was like, shit, 
I'm always listening to the Joe Rogan show at this time period. This is 2015. Uh, the show, <laughs> Joe Rogan has changed quite a bit, and that show has changed quite a bit, and a lot more has been revealed to me personally. Um, but during this time period, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to write top five reasons to check out the Joe Rogan experience. And I end up writing that. I left work early. Um, could have easily gotten fired. I didn't get up, end up getting fired for this. But I was supposed to be at this location for X amount of time. I packed up my booth, left two hours early. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. Like, I'm just going to write this blog and we'll see where it goes. Because I got this creative urge. I was like, I, I'm going to do it. And uh, so I did. I wrote top five reasons to check out the Joe Rogan experience. You know, I'm tagging Joe Rogan on Twitter or on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. He ends up reading and sharing it. And uh, this is crazy, but this is all true. And um, I'll show you guys the screenshots. Just DM me. Or I think I'm going to send out an email for paid subscribers only with all these screenshots. The Stitches one, uh, the Joe Rogan ones, various others, whatever. I mean, there's a ton of others, but who really cares at a certain point? Um, that's, this is kind of how I started writing. Um, so, and during this time period, Joe Rogan was, he was known for his artistic integrity. He had artistic integrity, uh, during this time period. I know for a fact, because I dealt with, I wouldn't wouldn't say I dealt with him, but he used to regularly share my stuff. The first time he shared top five reasons to check out the Joe Rogan experience, as I'll explain to you later, he ends up sharing my stuff, like, I think a total of five times. So Joe Rogan was, this is all true, was like basically a regular reader uh, of my blog during this time period. Now, I want to talk about the fact that he did have artistic integrity during this time period. It wasn't just me. It was people that like, you know, if he shared a meme, he would always go out of his way to like tag the creator who originally created the meme, shit like that. But I think what happened with Joe is I think he got compromised. You know what I mean? I think that he was handed the keys to the kingdom. I think he was handed hundreds of millions of dollars. But in doing that, you got to play by certain rules. And those rules are pretty gay. Um, He's famous for being the only guy to reverse his stance on the moon landing. Now, if you're you're listening to this, like, there's no question. The moon landing was so, so, so fucking fake. Space travel is fake, all of it. But the moon landing in particular is so outrageously uh, fake that to reverse your stance on that is basically a huge signal that you're, you're being paid to have that position. And the thing with Rogan is he is a heavy influence or he was during this time period. I don't think anybody actually listens to his show anymore. Um, But during this time period, a huge impact on my demographic, your demographic, our demographic, you know, guys born between, let's say, Let's say I was born in 1990. Let's say guys born between 1980 and 95. You know what I mean? Huge impact on that demographic. Um, So that's what happens the first time Rogan shares my stuff. Everybody's hitting me up. Everybody's so stoked. You know what I mean? Um, This is back in 2015. Like, oh, yeah, top five reasons to check out the Joe Rogan experience by GorillaRadio.tv. I didn't even sign my name on the article. <laughs> it was just Gorilla Radio. This is Gorilla Radio. You know what I mean? So that was the first time um, that that had occurred. 
So at this point, it's very clear to me that I should be writing my own stuff. And obviously, the the site did a shit ton of traffic uh, once Joe Rogan shared it. You know what I mean on his Twitter. I think he's Facebook too. So from there, you know, I'm I'm fully uh, involved <laughs> with that show. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm involved in that show, but I'm obsessed with it because my idea is just all right. Cool. It's, it seems like I've got my niche here. I'm just gonna write about uh, this show, other podcasts I'm listening to. And then, so the follow-up was um, top five guests we want to see on the Joe Rogan experience. So, you know, you can see what I'm thinking here. I I wrote, like, top five reasons uh, to check out. This is 2015, guys. So if you think Joe Rogan's lame now, I'm totally in agreement with you in a major, major way. But during this time period, I think he had integrity. And um, during this time period, it makes sense for somebody of my demographic to be totally into that show. So, and it was kind of, it was cooler during this time period. Um, You know, we all know when he got that Spotify deal, he had to delete a lot of his interesting episodes and he had to, you know, disassociate from this person, that person. And it it was just a sellout operation. He's, uh, his influence has been paid for. Anyways, so the follow-up was top five guests we want to see on the Joe Rogan experience. Me writing like, okay, it would be cool to have these five guests on. I think it was like, you know, Conor McGregor, Dan Bilzerian, who I think is an op, by the way. Um, Charlo Green, she was this black, she was like this hot black chick at the time that uh, she went super viral because she was on Alaskan television and there was some report and she said, fuck it, I quit. And then she became like a marijuana <laughs> influencer. Anyways, those are three. I forget what, who the other two were. Um, so that, yeah, I wrote top five reasons to, uh, top five guests we'd like to see on the Joe Rogan experience. Joe Rogan ends up sharing that. Pretty cool. Um, then um, from there, I think I wrote um, an article about. Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson, top five reasons why you should check out Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson on the Joe Rogan experience, right? So that was the premise of the article. This is like, uh, this is uh, my third Joe Rogan article, right? So this is what I'm doing at this time period. You know what I mean? Um, I'm literally a Joe Rogan experience blogger. (laughs) not literally, but I'm using my blog to write about what gets traffic and what I was listening to at the time. You know, when it comes to writing, I follow a few simple rules, you know, write about what you know and write how you talk. Um, And that applied in this scenario. So, and I'm getting massive dopamine rushes from these uh, somewhat viral, viral for me, uh, shares. Okay. So I'm in a dopamine addiction cycle. (laughs) Um, okay. So this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Um, so I'm at work. I wrote, you know, top five reasons to check out the Joe Rogan experience with Graham Hancock and Randall Carlson. So I'm at work, I'm at a computer, I'm doing sales calls at this, at this time. I'm no longer, uh, physically going to locations to sign people up at solar. I'm in the office. I am, uh, on a computer and I'm making phone calls to set up solar appointments. So I, <laughs> I surfed the web quite a bit during this time period while I was at work. Right. So I check out Graham Hancock's Facebook page 
and I click on an article he shared, and it's from some website called beforeitsnews.net. And I, I check it out, and I'm reading it, and I'm like, holy shit, I fucking wrote this. So I realized that this website, beforeitsnews.net, what they did, they were an aggregate for the most part, but what they did was really sneaky. They copy and pasted what, what I had written, and they changed some words. They took out some swear words, copy and pasted it, changed it, and at the bottom, they're like, oh, okay, go here, click here if you want to go to the original source. You click that, and then there's like another page, and it's like, oh, click here for the original place of this website. So to see my original thing that I wrote, you'd have to click two pages and they obscured it and they edited it and uh, they took it as their own. And then Graham Hancock ended up sharing it on his Facebook page. So I'm like, what the fuck? I'm at work. I couldn't care less about my job and I'm just pissed off. I'm like, what the fuck? This website just stole this thing from me. So I, I end up making a huge deal about it. I'm like, I'm on Twitter freaking out. You know what I mean? I'm adding everybody every five minutes. I'm like, you know, I'm saying this, that, and the third about before it's news.net or whatever that website was. And I'm just going off on Twitter, get out of work. I'm, I'm freaking out. And so Rogan ends up getting, uh, he sees this. So he's like, oh, hey, what happened? I'm going to read the screenshot right here. Um you know, he's like, oh, it's unfortunate that that happened, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, he goes here, hey, thanks for writing about it, though. I'm sorry to see that. And then he shared the original article on GorillaRadio.tv on his Facebook and his Twitter. So Rogan, during this time period, had integrity. There's no question about it. And, again, it wasn't just me. So these are some of the Al Dog origin stories. I got some more for you. Um during this time period. But yeah, that's what I did when I got out of school. I was in various different sales jobs and I basically started a libertarian hip hop sports blog that's no, no longer around. Um, I still have access to the back end, but it's not a thing anymore. So I got my little niche at this point, right? So I'm writing about these e-celebrities, you know, guys like Paul Joseph Watson, you know, your Milo's, your, uh, your Gavin's, Gavin McInnes. And for me as a listener, when Gavin McInnes went on Joe Rogan's show, that's when I stopped listening to Joe Rogan um, because I just thought that Gavin was way funnier. And now during this, this around the same time period, I'm at work, I'm working, uh, you know, at this call center, calling people, trying to um, get them to sign up for solar. So my shift was from like, it was from like four to eight at the time, four to eight, Monday through Friday. So I would get up, uh, I would watch the Gavin McKenna show at 1030. I would go play basketball and then I would go to work at the call center. And, you know, I would try to do my own thing in the meantime, you know, write something, uh, whenever I had free time, whenever I was available, whenever I wasn't, you know, doing those things a lot of times in the morning. Um, so also during this time period is a guy by the name of Mike Cernovich and he's pretty painful, Nowadays, just there's no other way to describe it. Uh, impossible to pay attention to because it's just whack take after whack take after whack take literally all day long. Uh, he is probably the definition of a dopamine addict. He's literally on Twitter all day, every day, just whack takes, just, just, just whacking it for lack of a better term. And uh, he was awesome in 2015, though, man. 
and he uh, is an honorable guy when it comes to doing business with him. He actually pay, he later paid me for an internship I did with him. Um, so in 2015, though, Cernovich was a fucking animal. He was the man back in 2015. I'm not gonna lie. Because I had this website, you know, Gorilla Radio, and I see this guy's Twitter profile, and it says uh, Gorilla Mindset. His his bio said like been to jail, uh, been sued, still standing, something like that. He had about fifteen thousand followers at the time, and I linked up with him I'm like, hey, I'll you know I'll check out your book, I'll put your book on my site, you know what I mean? And he was super cool. Uh, I can't lie during that time period. So, and he, I think he shared some of my stuff, one of my videos or something like that way back when. Anyways, so there's that happening. And then sort of the Trump thing is starting to take off. And at first I wasn't at all interested. I was a Ron Paul 2012-er, which got morphed into Rand Paul 2016 effectively, right? So I was a Rand Paul guy. I still think that my vote matters at this point, right? or votes matter. Um, so I didn't take Donald Trump seriously at the beginning. I was like, oh, okay, here's a rhino Republican conservative. This guy's just trying to promote himself. I was like, okay, this guy's just trying to promote his, his self, promote his own brand through this faux presidential political campaign. So I didn't hop on the train at all at first. But the turning point for me was when Donald Trump went on InfoWars. Keep in mind, back in 2012, when it was Obama versus Romney, or as I used to call it, Obamney versus Obama, who gives a fuck, when that was happening, it was entirely unthinkable that a presidential candidate would go on the Alex Jones show. It was unthinkable. It, 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 it would have never happened during that time period. You know what I mean? So when... Donald Trump went on InfoWars, went on Alex Jones's show. I was like, holy shit, this is legit. I got sold. I got sold, man. And I jumped on the train harder than you could ever possibly imagine for that time period. Now, keep in mind, also during this time period, Twitter is so fucking fun. Like, I graduated college in 2014, and a lot of people are like, oh, dude, this is the most fun we'll ever have in our lives, dude. No. I, I immediately had a way more fun being part of this online digital culture back in 2015, 2016, triggering the libs, if you will, um, owning the Clinton supporters with memes. Like, it was so much fun, dude. It's whack looking back on it, and it's totally irrelevant to 2022, but during that time period, it was so, so much fun. So, you know, I'm blogging away. <laughs> um, I'm on the Trump train. I made some ridiculous, like, Trump, basically propaganda videos. I really love the art of propaganda. So I made, uh, you know, videos with millions and millions of views. I, I, I no longer have up, but basically Trump propaganda. So that happens. Whatever, he gets elected, big celebration, big party. Um, I link up, I get to meet Martin Shkreli at this party because, you know, I he was somebody that I would interact with just being online. If I wasn't at work, you know what I mean? And that, that was good times. Very, very good times indeed. So from there, um, I got a job. I tried to release this book, but it was just a complete piece of shit. Literally. It was like a pamphlet. It was like one of those self published pamphlet 
pamphlets and that totally failed. It was called Barter 7, uh, <laughs> the conspiracy to assassinate Lil Wayne, question mark. Because um, this was all about the 2015 uh, shooting on Lil Wayne's tour bus that occurred back in 2015. I talked about this in episode one. So that book totally fucking flopped, trash, complete piece of shit. Um, so I get a job as a security guard, right? Because uh, the sales thing wasn't working out. I wasn't into it. And you're not going to make sales if you don't care. Like I'm not, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to front. So I had a job as a security guard. I guerrilla radio, the libertarian hip hop sports blog. Once we entered 2017, early 2017, it wasn't working out. And I was actually interning a paid internship with Cernovich. He threw out this tweet. It's like, Hey, I want the top five biggest stories, the top five biggest trends, blah, blah, blah for this show I'm doing on RSBN on uh, YouTube. And I'm like, okay, cool. I'll, you know, hey, here's the report. These are the top five things for the day. It's like, okay, cool, you're hired. Boom, boom. So he's an honorable guy in terms of doing business. 100%. He has integrity. So that was cool. And then from there, this is early 2017. I'm doing that internship. And I see that Cernovich is hosting a party. I think it was called uh, like some party in D.C., and there's this guy there, this Indian man, right? And as it turns out, this Indian man is running for Senate in Massachusetts against Elizabeth Warren. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is Dr. Shiva. So I see this narrative. I'm like, oh my God, it's the real Indian versus the fake Indian. And this guy's at Cernovich's party. Like, this guy must be cool. This guy must be the man. And he, he is the man. Shiva's the man. So I'm like, oh my God, I got to be a part of this. I'm in Massachusetts. We have this candidate who uh, is running against Elizabeth Warren. And I, I click on some of his websites and it's like, oh, he invented email. He, you know, he's got like four degrees from MIT. Basically the best resume in the world. With no exaggeration. That guy has the best resume in the world. Um so I'm like, oh, oh I got to be a part of this. So I'm DMing Shiva on Twitter. I'm like, hey, man, like, let me get an interview. I want to be involved, blah, blah, blah. Um, I get a job at his building. Um, so I got a job, and I'm volunteering for the ca- campaign, the real Indian versus the fake Indian campaign. I use all, you know, my media connections, you know, being on the Internet, building that campaign, going to events, suit and tie at, you know, GOP dinners in Cape Cod, stuff like that. But the biggest obstacle was the Massachusetts GOP. You'd think that, oh, okay, we got this guy with a great resume, presents amazingly, great speaker, very charismatic. Trump could use some help, especially this is when the beginning, when people are just starting to complain about big tech censorship, right? People are just starting to get banned from Twitter. 2015, 2016, nobody got banned from Twitter at all, ever. You'd have to try your best to get banned from Twitter during that time period. I'm sure a few people accomplished it, but, you know. So from there, um, we're going to, you know, these events, building the campaign, getting signatures, doing all this stuff. I'm working during the day, um, just crushing it you know, building the campaign. But as I said, the Massachusetts GOP wanted nothing to do with it, right? They, uh, 
assumed they were going to lose to Elizabeth Warren. They wanted to run some some no-name candidate. And basically from there, they wanted to just have a racket, basically where they collect donations and they just get paid, pay off, you know, whatever host, whatever radio host, uh, pay off who they need to pay off and just run a racket and lose. Literally paid losers, right? And that shouldn't surprise you when you think about something like the Massachusetts GOP, right? It's, you're paid to lose. That's your job. And so they wanted nothing to do with our campaign. Um, so I did that for about four months. I busted my ass. I gave it everything I had and I gained weight. I gained like 10, 15 pounds because I was just working all the time. You know what I mean? And I was like, all right, I got to do something else. I'm going to go back to construction. I'm going to go do that. I need to be outside. So uh, I left that campaign still good friends with Shiva. Um, so I leave, you know what I mean? I'm going to go do construction. So I met a dude over the course of the campaign. And I mentioned this, I think in episode one or two, we're only three episodes deep guys. Speaking of which you should definitely subscribe, subscribe for $5 a month. Do it right now. Subscribe for $40 a year. That's $3.33 a month. You should definitely do that. Personally, I subscribe to Crow777 and I subscribe to Owen Benjamin's unauthorized.tv and uh, Vox Day. A lot of people don't like those guys. A lot of people, whenever I bring those dudes up, I get shit, but whatever. That's what I personally subscribe to. I used to subscribe to Sam Hyde's Gum Road just out of respect. I, I was subscribed to him for like six months. I never watched any of the content. I just did it out of respect because it, it was five bucks a month. So that being said, you who is listening to this right now, subscribe for five bucks a month. I'm giving this stuff out free to the email list. Um, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I might do the first half hour free and then the full hours for paid subscribers. I might have some episodes that are just for paid subscribers. I'm still working out the model. I still want to promote this on some of my other platforms. You know, I also want to integrate some music. Um, I'm still kind of searching for the perfect music vibe. I think it'll come, come to me in terms of intro and outro. So, okay. Anyways, I leave that campaign campaign over the, um, course of the campaign. I met some dude who had a studio. He was literally renting this big studio, not like a studio apartment, but like a studio to like produce media. And he wasn't doing shit. He wasn't doing anything with it. And I was like, dude, I, I got this big Twitter following, you know, and I, well, I had like 7,000 at the time before I got suspended from that account. Um, I was like, Hey, I got a Twitter following and I'm thinking to my, to myself, I'm thinking all I have to do is replicate the Joe Rogan Adam 22 model. And that model is you, ba you basically just have guests on and you interview them, you know, like uh, a guest oriented podcast. That's what I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, cool. It's lit. <laughs> I can do this. You know what I mean? And those were my influences at the time. Looking back on it, it's wild, but you can understand why during that time period, given um, my demographic being influenced by those guys. In particular, Joe Rogan and Adam 22, because they're from the same area as I am, the same general area um, between Boston and New Hampshire, right? So 
I meet this dude. He's, you know, he's got this studio and I'm like, all right, let's do a show. Let's do, uh, I initially called it call me out. It was just like, it was just me on YouTube. Right. Just kind of talking about the daily events, whatever. And after a few episodes, it's not going that great. You know what I mean? I, ha- I would get like 350 views or something like that. And I'm like, all right, let's have a guest on. I contact Adam Kokesh, right? So if you remember earlier in the story, I was an old school InfoWars listener. And when I say old school InfoWars, I'm talking about like back in the day, the guys who were normally on InfoWars were like Mark Dice, Adam Kokesh was a big big one. Luke Radowski, uh, a few financial guys, guys like Gerald Calente, um, Max Kaiser. Those are the guys, Paul Joseph Watson was just starting out. Those are the guys I call the old school InfoWars guys. So I grew up essentially watching their content. So having Adam Kokesh on the show was a big deal. I was like, oh, Adam Kokesh, let's do it. You know what I mean? I had Adam on like three times. We talk, whatever. That it's not really working out that great. But during this time period as well, there's this new trend of internet blood sports, which is basically you have two ideological opponents. There's all these intellectuals online, right? And with internet blood sports, you would have these intellectuals debate each other live. And it got pretty nasty, but it was very, very entertaining. And these events got huge numbers. So, also during this time period, I stopped listening to Gavin McInnes. I started listening to my buddy, Nick Fuentes. Now, I was listening, here's the thing, whenever you mention, whenever I mention some of these media names, it's not to like status signal. It's not to, oh, hey, I'm friends with this person. Ooh, this person shared my stuff. I'm just telling you the truth. And then second of all, if you happen to not like these people, I personally don't give a fuck. You know what I'm saying? When I mention Owen, people don't like him. I don't, I don't give a fuck. People, I mention Vox, people don't like him. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? I mentioned Nick Fuentes, people don't like him. I don't give a fuck. So I started listening to Fuentes when he was, he would have like 130 people live on his YouTube show, right? But I was early in on it. I was like, this kid's going to be big. I was totally right. So anyways, internet blood sports, my buddy Nick Fuentes, um, I priorly, I scheduled an interview with Shiva and this guy sticks hex and hammer six, six, six sticks, hex and hammer six, six. We'll just call him sticks. Sticks is an online intellectual. He's a pagan. He's into alchemy. Uh, to some people he's a Satanist, right? So I previously scheduled an interview for sticks with my friend, Dr. Shiva, right? So I'm loosely in communication with Sticks. I'm loosely in connection with Nick, right? Because I'm watching a show. I'll send him a super chat once in a while. And I send Nick a super chat. I'm like, hey, would you debate Sticks? You know what I mean? He's like, oh, I would debate Sticks anytime, anywhere. Keep in mind, I think Sticks has, off the top of my head, I want to say he's like 400,000 subscribers. He's been on YouTube for a while. Um, and Nick at the time was doing pretty good numbers. The numbers he d- he does nowadays is insane. He'll do like you know eight to ten thousand live on his own platform. Anyways, so during this time period, I'm like, okay, we got to have these guys debate. Let's do it. I'm gonna stoke the flames to make this happen. So I made it happen. We set a date, episode eleven, 
And uh, the show used to be called Call Me Al, but it eventually started to be called the Chadcast. Everybody just called it the Chadcast. America's number one Chadcast is how I referred to it. So we got this huge debate live. America's number one Chadcast, Nick Fuentes versus Sticks Hexenhammer. Look this up on YouTube. This debate has like 170,000 views, which is the bare minimum. It was stuck at 166,000 for like two years. I personally think it's around 500,000 people have in total have seen that debate, if I were to guess. Bare minimum, quarter million. So that happens live, and I would encourage you to check that out because that, that is truly incredible. So I do a few more blood sports events. I have like uh, Jay Dyer, if you're familiar with him. He debates a few people. Later, I have Nick Fuentes versus Adam Kokesh. Look that debate up. That debate is a classic, absolute classic. So I did the internet blood sports thing and the chat cast for most of 2018. Also during this time period, I'm working a job doing excavating with some pretty outrageous characters. I could do a full episode on that. (laughs) Um, But the one thing I learned over the course of that show was that a guest-oriented podcast is like having a house party and everybody's there to hang out with your guests. Um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Instead of there to hang out with you. The only thing that matters in this game is the direct connection you have with your audience, no matter how big or small. If you don't have that direct connection, it's over. So with a guest-oriented podcast, it's, you're also dependent on other people all the time to you know show up on time, to do this, to do that. And uh, it's just kind of lame. You know what I mean? I think if you have a podcast, you should be able to completely hold down a show by yourself. You should have enough, enough content, enough substance to be able to do that. Now, with this show, I'm stoked. I'm completely stoked about it because I have about a thousand followers on Twitter. I have an email list of about 45 at this point, and I, I consider that incredible. We have two paid subscribers. Um, I would like to see more, and I expect you to do that because some of these shows might be just paywall exclusive. And as you can see with my model, it's not about giant numbers. You know what I mean? It's not even about the cash. It's I'm trying to see who's down. You know what I'm saying? That's the bottom line with this and with that. Because the reality is I have three books coming out. I think the first one might be on pre-sale as soon as like August, which is pretty awesome. But let's say you release a book. Nobody fucking cares. You know what I'm saying? And I realize that as somebody who has a book coming out, nobody fucking cares. That's the reality of it. And one book is not going to be able to sustain a full-time income. No fucking way. Two books. You have two books out. That's not going to be able to sustain a full-time income. Uh, Three books, maybe. But what you would really need is, what I aim for is three books within the next year and a half, three books out, and a weekly audio podcast and eventually start doing video again. And, you know, I have no problem working in the meantime. 
that's totally cool with me. You know what I mean? Just makes me grind harder. You know what I'm saying? And I also think that working, it makes you a better artist in a sense. You know, your time is more finite. So you got to make it happen. You got to make it happen on weekends. I wrote a book on weekends and on mornings before work. I already got one in the bag. It's coming out. I'm working on the second one right now. So these are some of the philosophical beliefs I have in regard to, in regards to building this platform, having experience in the field. So after all the blood sports, after all the debates, after all the guests, the Chadcast did like 50 episodes, but it came to a close because, you know, the guy I was working with who had all the equipment, his lease for his studio was up. It was just time to end it. So 2019 hits. I leave the excavating job. We were working on this hugely expensive driveway, but I was just over it. So I left that job. And in the spring of 2019, I'm mainly working on my book. Uh, I send it to a publisher. I send it to my publisher, uh, a publisher called Trinday Publishing. And I've read like five of their books um, in the past. So I have great respect for this publisher. They're the first people I hit up. I send them a copy of my book. It wasn't called The Charter at this time. It was called something else. But I hit them up with the copy. They liked it. Like, okay, we'll publish it. I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. So in the meantime, I get a new job. I always, this sounds crazy, but during the summers as a teenager, I would always work construction, but I would, I always wanted to try landscaping. So in the summer of 2019, I started landscaping with this awesome company, this incredible location. Location is everything when it comes to landscaping. I, I worked in a, in a town outside of Boston that is fucking incredible. Like this town is super wealthy. Like everybody has a, everybody has horses in this town. So working there, that was awesome. Working on my book. Uh, I do that until, you know, 2020, 2020 hits Kobe goes down. That's, that sucks. I'm back on Twitter with a new account, the account you're following currently, um, I start dating this chick, super hot, fast forward to 2020, the second half, I think I'm getting married. I, I started working at this new construction company and, uh, I went back to construction. So at this time, I think I'm getting married. I think I'm just going to be a construction guy, but both of those things didn't work out. Whatever books coming out, book is almost done in, I just finished it early 2022 and now we started the Substack, started the email list, started the Twitter. Twitter account's been popping. So all these things, that's where we're at nowadays, guys. Fast forward. A lot of shit. A lot of fucking shit in between there. But uh, that's where we're at now. So what's going on moving forward? Well, this, po- this podcast is only going to be a- available to paid subscribers for at least 24 hours, I'm thinking right now. I want to get it out. I wish I could get it out right now. But tonight, it's just for paid subscribers. And then tomorrow, I think I'm going to send it free on the email list. Really just trying to get people listening, trying to build that connection between me and whoever is listening. Eventually, perhaps a Telegram group, uh, something like that. Episode four, I'm thinking episode four, 
Al Dog Athletics. That's the name of my third book. It's called Al Dog Athletics, The Esoteric Truth of the Eternal Athlete. I love talking about health. I love talking about practical ways for everyday people to stay in shape. I'm not, I've always despised the uh, sort of fitness influencer, influencer culture of just ludicrous levels of narcissism and outrageous obsession over a physique that for most people, you kind of reach a point where this is what God gave you and you just got to work with it. You know, you can't obsess over the definition of your latissimus dorsi. You know, you can't um, do that. It's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. That whole culture of, you know, weighing your food on scales, counting your micros, taking pictures of donuts. That culture is outrageous. Another idea I have for Al Dog Hour episode four is potentially talking about what I'm calling the summer stack. Now, if you got on the email list earlier, you got all those articles I sent out. I took them off and I think I'm, they're going to be for paid subscribers only five bucks a month. That's who they're going to be for. And I'm releasing the summer stack and I kind of want to, um, work on the, the sub stack a little bit, make it look a little bit better, uh, work on presentation and sort of re-release it with episode four, the summer stack. That's what, that's what I'm leaning towards right now. It's probably going to be the summer stack or it could be episode four, Al dog athletics. So those are the episodes we're, we're looking at for four and five, but so much shit in between that I couldn't get in this hour. So much shit. I don't really talk about my personal life too much, uh, either on Twitter or on this show, because I mean, who cares? And it doesn't benefit people in any way, but it does provide context. But there's millions and millions of things and other stories that within the time frame of, you know, graduating college and where we are now between 2014, the fall of 2014, and the spring of 2022, where we are now. Uh, there's a lot I could talk about a lot, man, because I'm a very, very experienced man having worked in various different fields at the age of 31. So that being said, 2022 is about building, building this podcast, putting myself in an incredible position for 2023 and for the readers and for the listeners to benefit with me to level up, to listen to an hour of this show and come out a winner. One thing I'm doing for future episodes is I want to get topic specific and reach my own personal definition of an educated person. My personal definition of an educated person should include somebody who knows the basics of the world religions, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Buddhism, Hinduism, all of it. You should know the basics. Most people don't. So what I want to do eventually is do topic-specific Al Dog Hour episodes on a big topic like, you know, Christianity or Islam, something like astrotheology. Just take one subject at a time, but absolutely just murk it. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing more of these shows. I really enjoy it. I hope you guys are really enjoying it as well because I'm bred for this. I'm made for this. And, um, I look forward to talking to you guys again 
and I'll talk to you again soon. Owl Dog episode, Owl Dog Hour episode four is coming soon.